one thing I will say, especially now with the holiday season, which is mm-hmm. two weeks away, the spirit and the energy of people is amazing during this time of year. I love it. It is. It really is. <laughs> one thing I would want is this same energy year round. Yes. I think right. that would be wonderful. <laughs> we can do it like that. <laughs> that cousin yeah. that you don't really like that comes up and actually <laughs> gives you a hug and means it. Right. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Right? Like it does. Reconnecting and yeah. yeah. <laughs> usually, usually for those who can't see us, usually look at them and you're like, <laughs> right give them the side eye and you're like oh my god they invited her again don't they know that my spirit doesn't match her spirit <laughs> you know? you know? but the graces of god we all have one spirit in the month of december you know what i've noticed is um because you're you're in the united states right yes yes what i've noticed is that and I was actually watching a few interviews about this. And I was looking it up on the internet just for research purposes. Uh-huh. There seems to be like a shift from Thanksgiving up until the end of the year. Do you remember? Um, and we're going to date ourselves for this. But you remember Thanksgiving when we were kids and everybody used to pack the house. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just <laughs> cooking. Your parents would wake up. It was cooking. Grandmother would be over. Grandfather yeah. would be cooking yeah. from the morning yeah. till night. Yeah. Yeah. And then the morning after. You'd, I don't have any containers here, but you'd have containers to bring home. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? It's so family oriented. It's a different vibe. Like you look at from like November, well, in Canada, it's October, but you look at the last two months, three months of the year, uh-huh. definitely different feel when it comes to family versus, I say, the beginning of the year. Do you find that as well? I do. I do. I miss those days though when we used to do that. We used to have like, red, like my grandmother's house was packed with people. And everybody would come home for Christmas. So after she passed away, that kind of died down. And then when my oldest aunt, she passed away last well, in 2020. And uh, well, that was last year. <laughs> she passed away in January. So it has completely just, you know, come to an end where, you know, we're not really getting together anymore. We may go to one of my aunt's houses a few of us but it's not the same so yeah i do miss that time too but we have a group family group chat now so. oh yeah you know happy thanksgiving in in a, in a group chat right you know send a right. couple turkey emojis you know right. <laughs> you know where, where's the food where is right. the food so i know we met through someone else it was Mm -hmm. referred over and thank you so much for everything that you have um done and for all the guests and all the people that i've met thank you very much first and foremost portia for that i appreciate it the connection has been amazing um so far so (laughs) hopefully it's the same way for you (laughs) yes yes we love working with you so thank you also we really appreciate it (laughs) thank you so i guess my first question for you is um just so everyone knows Mm -hmm. how did you get started in all of this and tell us a little bit about that and your journey as well okay well i started um well i'll take you from the beginning (laughs) um I've actually had two husbands who passed away. One when I was 22, he had lung cancer. And then the other one, I was 33. He um, had a seizure in his sleep and passed and went to cardiac arrest. So when he passed away, um, 
you know, going through both experiences was tough. And when he passed away, it was suddenly at night. So it really hit me a little bit different too, um, because it was unexpected. And it kind of shattered me in a sense. And using affirmations was one thing that helped me. And I would remember driving to Atlanta to work every day. And I would be saying affirmations in the car. I'd be listening to like different meditation videos that have like affirmations in it. And it really started to help bring me back to where I needed to be. And I also noticed like during that time, my daughter, she would come home from, she was only like three or four years old. And she would come home from school and she would say, she would say stuff like, I'm ugly. And I even talk about her skin. And I'm like, where are you getting this from? Like, how do you know about your skin color? <laughs> like to know stuff like this. And so I started having her say affirmations like I'm beautiful, I'm brave, I'm bold, I'm strong. And so she started picking it up and those negative talking that she, the negative talking that she was doing, it started to cease. And so I was thinking, well, if this works for us, this would be something good I could do. Like I could write a book about this for kids because, you know, I'm a licensed counsel too. So I'm like, this could help other parents. And so that's how my book came along. So I wrote my book, I Know Who I Am. And it's a children's book. And it's just simple um, affirmations that are laid out in alphabetical order. And it, uh, I actually have it right here. So I can show you. It's this right here. So it's, I love um, it. It's laid out in alphabetical order. And it um, basically have the kids say it on a daily basis. And um, that's how I started. And I wanted to publish my own book. I wanted, I really didn't want to per se self-published, but I wanted to start my own company. But my goal was to just focus my book, nobody else's book. <laughs> but after I created my company and we got on a different associations, I started getting people coming to me just asking, can we publish with you? And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, like, just wondering, like, why do you want to publish with me? But, you know, I really, you know, with my book, I researched, I read a lot. I wanted to make sure all my stuff was like a traditional um like a traditional publisher doing workshops, like everything I needed to do to um, have all of my stuff official. And um, so I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And I tried it out and I was like, okay, I think I like working with other people. And they loved like all the knowledge I was giving them and things like that too. So that's how we got started. <laughs> and now we that's, have like full staff. <laughs> that's amazing. Um... <laughs> Because it seems, at least to me, and the way you've described it, it seems like you're helping people. Do you get that sense where you're actually helping people in the world fulfill their journey? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Like, even with the books that we publish, we're only publishing children's books that help build self-confidence or self-esteem. Um, so we're trying to not just focus on any book, but a book that's going to help motivate, even because given from my situation and what I want went through I want to motivate other people too to know that even in regardless of what your situation is and I know, I know it's easy to say when you're not going through that person's issue but you still want to kind of encourage people to keep going don't give up keep going you know you never know what's on the other side just keep moving keep pushing so I want to I, I, my thoughts is if we can catch kids early and start that journey early with putting that self-confidence in them and helping them with when they do go through these obstacles, they can come back to that. Well, I know I'm 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 brave, I'm strong, I'm awesome, I'm valuable, you know, I'm thoughtful. Those those different affirmations can be, you know, can come back 
to do. Do you feel that um, sometimes children, when it comes to these types of learnings, do you mm-hmm. feel that sometimes they're forgotten because we focus more on stories for adults versus stories on children? I can say that. Um, I think more so now. I'm starting to see more children's books, but um, I, I do think that, in a sense, that a lot, especially a lot of the bigger publishers, some of them only do adult books. You don't really see them doing the children's books, and a lot of the books that are maybe have like self help for kids too. You don't really see a lot of that. So I do think kids get forgotten when it comes to that part too. Like we have to realize that kids have emotions they go through things too even though we don't see it sometimes as an adult we may neglect that that kid have real problems too but um being from a counseling standpoint um you know i used to work for uh, the veterans crisis hotline and um we would have actually have kids calling too and we'll have kids calling that are suicidal because they're being bullied and all this stuff but as parents because a lot of times they don't tell their parents what's going on and they'll call us and they'll try to get help from us. But we'll ask, well, have you talked to anybody? What about your support, your parents? But they don't feel comfortable telling them. But so a lot of times we never know what that kid may be going through. So I do think that message gets lost sometimes, like with the bigger publishers too, where they're not really publishing books to kids that are kind of self-help too or encouraging. And when you speak to these people going through that because it seems like, especially in the last 18 months, two years, um, mental health is under a microscope now, right? We want to make sure everyone is healthy mentally and emotionally more so perhaps than in the past, or maybe it's very similar is just to the forefront. Now mm-hmm. you hear about um, here in Canada, we have hotlines for children. We have sick kids. Um, we mm-hmm. have hotlines for children who are being bullied. We have all these these hotlines for them and we have it for adults too um the books or the authors sorry that you come in contact with and the ones that i have met strong Mm -hmm. focus on children and very what i notice is a common theme is uplifting children to make them feel like superheroes make them feel important right so how important is that to you portia to know that for many of these people who are doing these things, mm-hmm. it's filtering through you. <laughs> I never really thought about it like that. <laughs> but I guess, you know, it's very important because I want, you know, from my experiences and things that I've seen, I want that to be shown in how I represent my company and how the others that I work with represent themselves too. Um, so. I, I think it's very important, even with a lot of times we do tours, I, I really prefer to do the books that just have those messages too. Because educators are very valuable. And you can argue that authors fall into that line because they're presenting stories. I know very young reading wasn't something that I was very into, but as I grew my teenage years, it was so important. If I show you how many books I have. <laughs> right here it's like um it's it's an old joke you have all these books that you've only read by looking at their covers but <laughs> it's a time thing right but I love having books 
because I don't think I would be the person I am now. And because of reading, because of that type of education, I love um, reading reports. I love surveys. I love numbers. I love figuring out why things do, why people do the things that they do, because we may think that what you and I are going through is unique mm-hmm. to us. But when you actually open your eyes to the whole world, you're like, there's right. a million people who have gone through something as well. And here I am giving a voice in my way. And here you are giving a voice your way. Did you always feel that this was your calling in life? Um, it's always been an author. No. <laughs> um, it's always been a counselor. Yes. Um, I always thought I would be a counselor from, even when I was little, I always told everybody I'm be a counselor. All of my little friends in elementary school, middle school, I remember them coming to me for advice, and it was just natural. And I, I remember being in high school, taking psychology classes, and um, thinking, I actually wrote this in my book, that I was going to be a licensed counselor and a computer programmer. I love computers, too. And now I'm getting ready to graduate in cybersecurity also. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much bringing both of those worlds together. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I always thought I was going to be a counselor. <laughs> what type of impact did you want to have once once you identified you're going to be this type of person? Once you knew that it was in in you, it was part of mm-hmm. who you are, and then you've chosen this avenue. What was the type of impact that you wanted to have, or maybe the type of impact that you foresaw yourself having? I'm more so being an advocate and being someone that can listen to others because especially coming from um, working with veterans and doing a high, working in a hotline and, and call center type atmosphere, you see a lot of times that people really just want someone that listens to them. Someone that's going to really tell them that I'm there for you. Um, you know, even if they don't know you, but you're in that moment with them and letting them know that, you know, I got your back. I'm listening to you. I'm following and I hear you. And I, get, I think some people, people don't really realize that's what most people want to be heard. They want to be listened to. They want to know that they matter. So my passion, if, if you can notice, is crisis counseling. <laughs> so just to be in that moment with that person and to help them and talk them through what they're going through at that moment and to let them know that I'm here for them, that's like everything to me. <laughs> I love it. Did you think it was going to be harder or easier than it is for you right now? Actually, when I initially got into crisis counseling, I thought it was going to be really tough, especially working with people who were suicidal. I didn't really know what I was getting into from that standpoint. I had worked with a few clients that were suicidal, but not to the depth where, you know, you may be on the phone with somebody and they say, well, I have a gun in my head. I've, I've never experienced that before until, you know, I started doing that aspect of crisis counseling. And in that moment, what do you do? So you have to be ready and you have to be able to, in a sense, talk that person down or kind of calm them down or kind of reassure them that they do matter and that somebody do care about them, hear them and talk their problems through and give them other resources and try to help them cope with what they're going through. I know you mentioned that you help the veterans. You just mentioned mm-hmm. that you're dealing with the hotline where there's people who are suicidal on Suicide Watch. You mentioned mm-hmm. that you had two partners that have passed. Mm-hmm. Right? You have all these experience. 
experiences that many of us don't even experience one of those things. Here you are experiencing <laughs> so many. How much of you and how much of that are you putting in your work in what you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, when it comes to the counseling aspect, I think I put everything into it because I always relate that to my situations or how I feel or how, you know, um, I don't want to put, like transfer myself onto someone else, but also being aware what that person may be going through too, like being able to walk in that person's shoes and have empathy for them. So with that, and even with my books too, I always keep experiences that I've been through in mind when I'm working with people and when I'm writing my story. Do you think that you can continue forward in that way? Or is there another goal in your journey that you're looking to do? Um, actually, I, I want to keep working in this area. I really enjoy it um, for right now. Um, I do want to expand to probably expand my company out to do more stuff, but I still want to work in this area too. I don't want to like just throw this to the back burner and just start something else because this is really my passion. I really love doing this. I can see it. When you love something, it's it's like, it's not work. It's just, you get up to absolutely do it and you can see it in someone's face. You probably see someone when they're going to work and they don't like their job. They're like, oh. you know, <laughs> the watch becomes their best friend, right? You know, is it time for break? Is it time for lunch? Is it time? Is my shift over? You know, the last five minutes is like the five minutes of death, right? <laughs> you know, but it's, it, I think we've all been there in regards to work, people, whomever, but I believe, and I'll let you comment on this as well. I believe that there's mm-hmm. something, I believe there's a task. I don't want to call it a job. I, I believe there's a task out there that everyone is going to love. Mm-hmm. Meaning you're doing what you love. Someone else is going to find something to do what they love. And I guess the disappointment of life is going through your entire life, not finding out what you truly love because I think that's the source of everything that we do, right? Right, right. and I can agree because I have friends um, that are going into their 50s too and now are leaving their nine-to-five job and they're starting their own business because they were like, it just wasn't fulfilling. And they just got to a point where I just can't do it anymore. I'd rather be doing something I love than to sit here. Yeah, I can retire in a couple, you know, in about 10 years from now, but do I want to retire and wait those 10 years in a job where I'm not happy? Or do I want to go out and venture and start my own business and do stuff, something I love or go work for a company I love? So I have actually been seeing that a lot really this year with a lot of people that I know that are going into, you know, even later in life is going into these changes and they love it. Absolutely love it. A big difference in their whole demeanor and personality where before they felt tied down or stressed out, but now they feel free. With the slowing of the world, um, I think this is I think this has been the right time for everyone to explore a passion, at least one. Um, if it succeeds or fails, that's fine as long as you've tried it, because every single person has more time now. Right. When was the last time you've had this much time? 
<laughs> right? We have more time now than we did. You look at 2019, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I think that every single person could have said that by the summer of 2019, they felt 2020 was going to be their year. Right. Right. A lot of people had that envision. And then the world came to a grinding halt. Mm -hmm. So we had to figure it out in different ways. We look at um, some of the things that we we're doing a few years back. We can't do it now. We have to modify how we do it. And I feel that everyone should try something. As you mentioned, the couple that is um, taking a risk, take that risk today because you don't know if you're going to be able to take it tomorrow or Absolutely. the next day. Um, has there been any risks that you have taken or maybe that you would want to take in the next little while? Um, my risk right now, because I also work for the Air Force, so I really want to kind of transition from that and go full-time into my company within the next couple of years. So that's, that's one of my biggest goals that I'm working towards, and I think I'm working so hard building my company because I want to really, I really want to build it to last. I want it to be something valuable, something that people can really get something out of it. So I've been working hard trying to work, you know, most of the job. <laughs> so trying to get to that point where I'm able to transition from the Air Force and going into what I love. Perfect. And this is a question I love to ask people that um, especially start their own business and their impact is so many people. If you had an audience of the next generation in front of you, what would you want to tell them and why? I would tell them, one, I would tell them to take that risk and to keep going, to try, even if they feel like they're failing to, and I tell everybody this, get to a business mentor, because I've had three business mentors right now, because especially, I, you know, in this day and age, since 2020 happened with the pandemic, a lot of people you see are going into their own business and company, especially the younger generation. So I would tell everybody, make sure you have like a business mentor, somebody that's going to guide you. Make sure you come with your questions about how to handle your financials. There's a lot of people, um, you see money coming in, but they're not matching it to the money that's going out. And they're thinking they're making money and they may really not be making money because they're spending it too as far as like their business. So they want to really... Like I've been in entrepreneurship programs, so I did like a um, we had a program here where I live, and it was like a three month entrepreneur program where they teach us from start to finish with everything marketing, financial, everything <laughs> as to um to how to to do our business. And then at the end, they had like a pitch program where you got to pitch your idea, even if you already had a business, you still pitch it. And then um, everybody had an opportunity to get their own building for their company. But um, additionally, five other people have the opportunity to win $5,000. So just doing stuff like that and then the mentorship programs or entrepreneur programs, those actually really help you get that knowledge that you may know how to sell something, but you may not know the real business part of it too. So I think matching all of that together is a big, has been a big help for me. That would be my advice if for someone wanted to come into business for themselves. And I'll piggyback on that um, because I think mentorship is very important. I think sometimes it's undervalued. 
I suppose the community that you build, um, there's a saying that I learned from someone is that your net work is your net worth, right? Meaning that the people you know, you know are going to help you because what's that saying? You, you want to make sure you know a doctor, you know a lawyer, you know <laughs> all these people in your network um, because we can't do it all. These, these are not the days where I can go kill the the woolly mammoth, bring it back to my cave and eat. It's a little bit different than the caveman days, right? Where, you know, I get my club, knock, knock a woman over her head, she wakes up and she's married to me. Those days are long gone, <laughs> right? We're more about the community. And it's a shame that we went from such a strong community to maybe more individual contributors. But at the end of the day, we still need each other because there's value in, in everything especially the connections, because human beings, I believe, are built to connect with others. And if anyone has ever dealt that, look what has happened in the last couple of years when we weren't able to connect in the way that we wanted. Some people, unfortunately, couldn't cope. Right, right, absolutely. And I, I think it was really, I'm sorry, my microphone fell. <laughs> I mean, my um, headphone fell, not microphone. <laughs> but I really think that... Um, that was probably tough on a lot of people too, going through that pandemic and then not being able to go anywhere or leave the house. So yeah, definitely stressful too.